I'll start off with a question. Uh, are you a happy person? Are you a happy person? Everyone wants happiness, don't we? We all want to fulfill our physical, emotional, social, and spiritual needs, right? The mathematician Blaise Pascal said everyone seeks happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means we employ, we all tend towards this end, this end of happiness. This is the motive of every action of every man, even of those who hang themselves. You see, the issue is not whether we are searching for happiness in life, but whether we have found true happiness in life. We have found that happiness that stays with us through all seasons of life. People, of course, are searching for happiness in many places. Pleasure, money, power, peace and quiet within themselves. There are an infinite set of things we search for happiness. Even religion, we search for happiness in religion. And of course, we search for happiness in relationships. One of my favorite films is a film called A Beautiful Mind, uh, played by Russell Crowe. It tells a story, a true story actually, uh, of the mathematician John Nash. He uh, tells the many highs and lows of his life. From his time as a mathemat- mathemat- mathematics student at Princeton University in the late 1940s, to the time he won the Nobel Prize in economics in 1994. Nash was a brilliant but somewhat arrogant and, and social man. He preferred to spend his time uh, looking at numbers with his equations than with people. The only person Nash was able to connect with in his life, genuine connection, was a woman called Alicia Ladd. In fact, she was one of his students when he was teaching at MIT in the early 1950s. Nash and Alicia eventually got married. But as time passed, Nash lived more and more within himself. He became delusional, you see, even as he was a mathematical genius, which of course caused many problems in his career and his marriage life. And yet in all of these problems, Alicia stood by her husband. She stood by him until Nash finally redeemed himself by winning the Nobel Prize in economics. And there is a moving scene in the film where Nash, towards the end of the film, is giving an acceptance speech before the Nobel Prize audience. And here's what Nash says in that film. He says this, I have always believed in numbers, in equations, in logic and reason. But after a lifetime of such pursuits, I ask, what truly is logic? Who decides reason? My quest has taken me to the physical, the metaphysical, the delusional and back. I have made the most important discovery of my career, the most important discovery of my life. And it is this, it is only in the mysterious equations of love that any logic or reasons can be found. And then at that moment, if you're watching that film, Nash looks at his dear wife sat in the audience, and then he says this, I am only here tonight because of you. You are the only reason I am. You are all my reasons. Thank you.
It is a powerful moment. Uh, I have to say, I, I try to make sure that when I watch the film, I've watched it many times, I watch it by myself because at that moment, I shed a bit of a tear. And I don't want my wife to see that, of course. So, so I make sure I watch it by myself. It's powerful. It is emotional. It is an intellectual spiritual moment, actually, that acknowledges that true happiness in life is not so much a state of being, it is relational. Now she's saying that as he comes to the end of his life, all of his happiness is wrapped up in the face of his wife who has been with him through thick and thin. She makes sense of life to him. She has loved and forgiven him through all the ups and downs. And as he says to her, all his reasons, she is all, all of all the reasons for living. He's saying our love is his happiness. Now, I know very few of us perhaps have ever heard of John Nash, right? The man who came up with the Nash equilibrium or seen the film. And yet I think what John Nash says in the film actually resonates with us. We say something of the truth of what he's saying, isn't it? All of us know intuitively that happiness in life is not found in the self, but in the other. You and I are not enough for our own happiness. Now, I know sometimes people say you don't, you don't need other people to be happy. But we know that is not true. We know that. We only say that when we are disappointed in some relationship. We need other people to be happy. This is why the government is begging everyone to follow the COVID-19 restrictions. If you don't follow those, other people will be very, very sad, right? We need each other. And this is why all of us are fighting to have family and friends around for Christmas if we have some, right? Why? Why has there been a big deal about these Christmas bubbles, which I'm trying to get my head around, which has also been cancelled, of course. Because we recognize we need our grandchildren to encourage us and make us happy in the moment. We need our children, we need family and friends. The truth of the matter is that happiness is relational. Happiness is found in a loving relationship with other people. But of course the problem is that we also know that other people let us down. Right? Not everyone has a selfless spouse like John Nash had. And while John was happy having a selfless spouse, Alicia was very sad because she poured all her life and she never got love back. And we also know that even if we have happy spouses, one day they will not be there. Death comes to all of us. So if happiness is truly relational, and it is, where can we find a person who can truly love us and has an infinite capacity to satisfy us, not just in this world, but in the world to come. Who can satisfy not just in this life, but beyond the grave. Well, the Bible introduces us to this person. That's what the Bible is about. It's about introducing you to this person. The most amazing thing about the God of the Bible is that he is a person. He's not a force, like we see in Star Wars. It's not a law of nature like gravity. He is a person. It takes a, you've got to actually take that in. The God of the Bible speaks, acts, reasons, and relates to us. That's amazing, isn't it? 
But what is even more amazing is that this God has become one of us in the person of Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is God who entered our world that first Christmas to bring us into this new relationship with God that brings true and lasting happiness. And we read about this true happiness that Jesus brings in that first carol in Luke chapter 1, verse 46 to verse 55. This song was sung by Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, prior to these verses, we read those prior verses, Mary has had a visit from the angel Gabriel, and Mary has been told by Gabriel she's going to be a mother to God the Son. God is entering the world through the womb of Mary, and Mary is going to bring this child who's fully God and fully man into the world. The angel has also informed Mary that a relative Elizabeth, who is old and barren, is also pregnant. So immediately when Mary gets this news, she goes off to see um, Elizabeth. And as soon as Mary enters Elizabeth's house, we read in the Bible that the baby in Mary's, in Elizabeth's womb, gets excited with joy, and the Spirit of God comes upon Elizabeth, and immediately she exclaimed with joy, the whole thing is very full of joy, she blesses Mary, she calls her the most blessed among women, because she's carrying God in her womb. And of course, Mary responds to Elizabeth's happy greeting with her famous song from verse 46 to verse 55. It tells of what God has done for her and her people. The song is known as Mary's Magnificent. It's the first Christmas carol. And as we look at these verses, we can summarize these all verses in one simple truth. What is this song teaching us? Well, it's teaching us this, that true happiness comes from God through Jesus Christ. That's the key truth I want us just to think about this morning. True happiness comes from God through Jesus Christ. Look with me at verse 46. Mary starts her song with praise. And Mary said, verse 46, Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. You know, the present tense there magnifies and rejoices. It's reminding us that Mary's happiness is not a flash in the pan. It's not a feeling even. There is a deep fountain of happiness flowing within Mary. Since she got the news and she's now a few weeks or later, she's at Elizabeth's house, she's still, there's this joy coercing through her veins, so to speak. And of course, we step back immediately. We remember the events that have preceded this. We realize that this is quite strange, isn't it, for Mary to be joyful at this time. Because Mary is going through a very painful experience in her life. One minute, Mary is preparing her wedding. And then, she's, and then she's told she's pregnant with God. She's a teenage girl. And she's now shamed by her community. Mary is a walking scandal. So it is a surprise. Our world has been turned upside down. So it is a surprise to read here that Mary is full of happiness, full of joy. And we have to ask, how is this possible? Where is that river of joy flowing from? Where is from God? We read on verse, let's read verse 46 to 49. And the Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. 
For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty, that is God, has done great things for me. And holy is his name. Mary is joyful because despite all that is going on in her life, nothing beats the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is that God has walked through the dark doors of our life. You see, Mary knows there's an infinite gap between her and God. Right? Mary is a sinner. God is holy. Mary is a weak human being. God is all-powerful, is omnipotent. And yet God, by his grace, has somehow bridged the gap. God has graciously chosen her, a teenage girl, to carry the Messiah, Jesus, in her fragile womb, to give birth to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What sheer humongous grace. This grace overwhelms Mary. All of our problems are drowning in the flood of God's amazing grace. And immediately this tells us something important about happiness. True happiness is not determined by your current circumstances. It's not determined by your current situation but by your relationship with this God of the Bible. You see, true happiness does not come from pursuing your plans or even having everyone you like on the Christmas table. It doesn't come from Boris allowing us to keep those Christmas bubbles. That's not where it comes from. No, true happiness, the true happy person is a person filled and shaped by God. To be happy, God must be our ultimate pleasure. As Charles Orge says, the soul of a human being has a capacity for happiness which nothing in the world can possibly fill. You see, the animal is satisfied. Its capacity for happiness is here provided for. But the soul of a human being aspires for things that this life cannot provide. It longs for fellowship with what is far above, what is boundless, what is eternal. It longs for God. And this is what Mary's song is teaching us here. It is saying true happiness is God being with us, loving and filling us with himself as he is doing with Mary. But of course you may ask a question, isn't it, this morning. Is Mary not unique? Right? And not everyone gets to be the mother of Jesus. So, so how can I be sure Mary's happiness is also available for me? How can I be sure of that? Well, we can be sure because Mary's happiness is not only for herself. Mary is happy because the baby in her womb is good news, not just for her, but for you and I. Let's read on verse 52, verse 51. Mary says... And his mercy, speaking of God's mercy, is for those who fear him from generation to generation. It never runs out. And she says in verse 51, he has shown strength with his hand. We just pause there. The phrase, he has shown strength, is from the Old Testament. It speaks of God coming to the rescue of his people against their oppressors. You see, God in the past had sent leaders, kings, judges, to serve his people, to serve his people Israel. 
But none of them could bring about that total peace and true happiness for his people. You see, God had always intended, he had always intended to send them a final savior. All the kings, all the judges, all the leaders were pointing forward to this final savior. And Mary is saying, that moment in history has arrived. She's saying, the baby she's carrying in her womb is that promised deliverer. He is God's salvation in the flesh. This child in our womb is the fetus of infinite mercy to sinners. When the child is born, he is going to change everything for his people. Let's read on verse 51. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the, heart, in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. The Holy Spirit speaking through Mary is saying, this Jesus, this, this child to be born, will usher in a new kingdom that will lead to a moral, social, and economic reversal. Evil will be defeated. The downtrodden will be elevated. And the poor will be fed in his kingdom. True happiness in all its fullness is coming wrapped in this fetus. Wrapped in this person of Jesus Christ when he's born. And all of these things will happen because God is fulfilling his promise to serve his people, Israel, by this long-awaited king. Let's read on verse 54 to verse 55. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. It is a promise fulfilled. In other words, the coming of God that first Christmas is not because we deserve God to be with us. It is all because of God's grace to us. In remembrance of his mercy. You see, we need mercy. Why? Because, well, we need mercy because, you see, the problem is that in order for us to have a relationship with God that brings true and lasting happiness, we need to be without sin. How are you going to have a relationship with the Holy God in all of your sin? God is holy. And for you to have a relationship with him, you need to be without sin. God wants to have a relationship with us, but our sin always gets in the way. The Bible puts it like this in the prophets of Isaiah, Isaiah 59, verse 1 to 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened. It's not shortened that it cannot serve. Nor is his ear down. It's not that God can't listen. That he cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation, a war between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you. So that he does not hear. In other words, you are covering all your sins. God can't look at you. You can't even look at God because you're completely dead in your sins. You see, all of us have rebelled against God. That's why Isaiah is saying, he's not first place in your life. Yes, you do good things, but the bottom line is you live for you. In order for us to have true happiness, we need God to forgive us. But we, you and I cannot force God to forgive us. And even at the call of your being, you don't want God anywhere. You are not capable of asking God to forgive you. 
You are dead in your sin. You love your sin. At the call of your being. At the call of my being. I love sin. In my natural self, that is everyone. So the only way we're going to be forgiven by God is for God to take the initiative to extend His grace and mercy to us. We need God to take away the rebellion that comes against us. And we need God to convict us of our sin and bring us to repentance. But there is a huge problem, isn't there? God is holy and just. Remember, Mary is a sinner. God is holy. You are a sinner. God is holy. God is holy and just. Our rebellion against God demands that he punishes us. When you've committed a crime, the judge is not just going to let you go. Even if it's your friend, you must be punished for the crime. And it's the same thing with us. God, if he's to remain God, must punish sinners. And yet at the same time, the Bible says God is love. God loves us. So how does this holy God show us mercy that gives us true happiness we long for and still remain just? Well, God does this by giving us himself in Jesus. The good news of Christmas is that God the Son entered our world that first Christmas on a mission to live as one of us in order to go to the cross, die on the cross, and restore us to God. God the Son became a human being, and when he grew up, the Bible tells us, he was rejected, tortured, and killed by the very human beings he created. But he allowed, this was not an accident. God allowed this to happen to him, because it was part of his plan that he should suffer God's punishment in our place on the cross for our sin. The penalty of our rebellion is death. Romans 6 verse 23 says this, For the wages of sin is death. This is what we owe God, death. But thank God Paul does not end there. He says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, Jesus on the cross put his head on the chopping block for us. He willingly took the guillotine of the cross to take away your sin and mine. On the cross, Jesus took on himself the almighty wrath of God that you and I deserve. He took it on himself. No, he did not divert it away. Rather, he absorbed the wrath of God, the whole punishment, in on himself. He took the divine bullet for you. He carried the wrath of God the full weight of God's wrath on his back. The wrath that you and I deserve. Christ Jesus suffered in our place. And if you're trusting in the death of Jesus for your sin, because Jesus has died on the cross for your sin, God has now forgiven you and has restored you to himself. You have a new life with God forever you know, we are so used to hearing that, that we never think about what that means. We never, we hear these truths and they bore us, don't they? We never think about what it means to be in a relationship with this God. 
Oh, friends, God is eternal, independent, unchanging, self-existent, self-sufficient. He is absolute in dominion. He is the most pure, the most simple, the most spiritual of all essences. He is infinitely perfect, infinitely holy, infinitely wise, infinitely good, infinitely just. Infinitely glorious, infinitely joyful. God enjoys within Himself, within God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. He enjoys within the Trinity unchanging, perfect happiness. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need us. And yet, the good news is that if you are trusting in Jesus, This amazing God has now brought you into an eternal relationship, permanent relationship with him. When I say that you have the life of God in you, God lives in you and you live in God. This is the God we are talking about. This is why to have this God in our life brings true happiness. Now, this does not mean all your problems go away because you're a believer. It does not mean that you wear a permanent smile like everywhere, right? Every day. It does not mean that heartache won't come in our lives. In this world, as long as we're in this world, suffering will be here. Fear will be here. Disappointments will be here. Death will be here. But what it does mean, therefore, is this. It means you are now linked in a permanent relationship with God who has given all of himself, not part of himself, all of himself to you. If true happiness is a relationship, you are now plugged to the perfect person. And he's there now to nourish and care for you every moment, isn't it? The Bible says that Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Why? To nourish her and care for her. And that's what you have if you're in Christ now. You know, the singer Whitney Houston, in her song, The Greatest Love of All, says, Everybody is searching for a hero. People need someone to look up to. And then she says this, I never found anyone who fulfilled my needs. A lonely place to be. And so what did she do? She says, and I learned to depend on me. Whitney is saying she never found true happiness in life. And so she spent all her energy simply learning to cope with life on our own. Well, if you're trusting in Jesus, you're not Whitney. If you're trusting in Jesus, you have found true happiness because true happiness is being in a true relationship with the perfect God in Jesus Christ. Life with God means his spirit is now growing in you that wonderful inner love and delight in who God is and what he's done for you in Jesus. The inner delight that no matter what suffering or challenge I am facing at the moment, I have Jesus who loves me and gave himself for me. That no matter what I'm going through, I have an eternal inheritance. That my life is not of this world. It belongs to a better world to come. That assurance that neither nothing can separate me from the love of God. 
The, the inner assurance that no matter what sin I stumble in, because I have repented and trusted in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, Jesus has shed his blood for my sin. And he has given me the love that will never let me go. The inner hope, isn't it? That God does not just love me from a distance. His love now lives in my heart. He has shed that love abroad in our heart. And that nothing will separate us from that love. That is the love, that is the happiness we enter Christmas week with, isn't it? It is that, that whatever is going on this Christmas season, COVID, no, no COVID, tier 4 or tier 10. My barra still thinks we're in tier 3. I got a flyer this morning. They're behind. They're not counting fast enough. Whatever is going on this Christmas season in your life nationally, if you're trusting in Jesus, rest in the comfort that all is well between you and God. As Horatius Bonner says, enter into the joy of finished. Jesus did it all. That when he gave us peace by the blood of his cross, it is finished. His work on the cross is complete. He has nothing left to do for us. All we have to do now is enter into the joy of knowing that all is done for us. Bonner is saying, if we want to grow in true happiness this Christmas... With Jesus, we want to express the happiness in our lives that we already have in Jesus. We need to keep resting this Christmas in the truth that God has given us Himself in Jesus. Now, I started off with that question, didn't I? Are you happy this morning? I hope your answer from the bottom of your heart is a definite yes. I hope your answer is I am happy not because everything is okay in my life. Not because I feel I'm heading places. Not because I've got a good pension. Not because I have lots of good family members who have decided to defy the government and come to my Christmas lunch. Not because I think I have already caught COVID and I'm not worried about this new strain. Not because I trust Boris will keep me safe. No, I am happy Because God is my Father. I am happy because Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, is my best friend. I am happy that the Holy Spirit lives in me. I am happy because His life, the life of Jesus, is my life. His future is my future. I am happy because... I am only here today because of Jesus. He is the only reason I am. He is all my reasons. And I can say from the bottom of my heart, thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.